summer camps. For those who used to go to them, they were fun. I will not lie about that. There were aspects of them that were fun. There was a lot of laughter, lakes where I came from, and way too much food. This particular summer camp that I want to talk about, I was, it was the summer I was going into being 15. Uh, my birthday's in September, so I was always just on the verge of the next year and would round up, you know. So to everyone around me, I was 15. <laughs> and I was honestly in a different headspace this year from all the previous years. I think there was a different rush of hormones and all those coming-of-age movies that I had seen at my dad's house. Uh, I was a very awkward teenager who felt like an alien, and I still do, um, hiding among all the people that were there. Uh, I was different socially and seemingly emotionally, and I wouldn't discover why that was until my late 20s. So my neuro-spicy self was just seen as that adorkable riz everyone keeps talking about. The same kids uh, were at this summer camp that I had gone to camps with since it started in like first or second grade. That home away from home in the summertime. I grew up as a pastor's stepkid, so our lives revolved around the church that he worked at. And it was the same kids at school, at church, at extracurricular activities, and pretty much everything else. Those were who we were allowed to hang out with. Um, And those same kids would go with us every year to camp. Uh, I would not call them my friends, really. It was more like a sense of familiarity around them at that time. I did develop some friendships over that particular summer, though. Um, I was also the kid who got along more with the camp counselors. And I know a lot of kids say that, but I'm still friends with many of them to this day in my 30s, and they would agree that I was actually friends with them back then. And for instance, there was someone that was between my age and my mom's age, uh, right in between there, and her and I are still really good friends to this day. Um, But yeah, this particular summer camp was different. Uh, It was a different location. Uh, The place we usually went to was busy that summer and we I guess I was told we didn't book it in time so we went to a different place that was uh roughing it a little harder we stepped off that bus and I didn't see any cabins I didn't see I saw some bathrooms and a like overhang area to like grill on but I did not see any cabins and so I'm like where are we sleeping they're like oh that's why we had you bring sleeping bags you're sleeping outside And that was different. That was very different. Uh, So my sister and I went over and we set up our sleeping bags and put our stuff away uh, next to our sleeping bags and decided, like, where we were going to be. They had the boys in one area, the girls in another area. You gotta leave room for Jesus, okay? Well, we had the usual rules and schedule meeting. And then it came time for people to just unwind. And there was a lake uh, with some like floaty things in it. And then some little foresty areas to um, 
go down to where we had paintball and some other fun things going on. It honestly was probably the most fun camp because it was so laid back. There was a lot of downtime for people to just talk with each other. And honestly, for me to just sit in the forest and write because I loved writing and reading. I mean, I still do. And it was really, really nice. And the first day I went to go write in my journal and I was just sitting by a tree and this boy comes up to me and he says the cheesy line is this seat taken next to me in the forest like there's seats and I'm like no you can sit down that's fine he was very cute and he sat down and we talked for a really long time and he just uh, he just felt like home you know some people feel like you're exactly where you are meant to be when you're talking to them. That is what this person felt like to me. And it just felt like something I'd never had before. He told me his name was Graham. And I'd honestly also never really heard that name. And it stuck with me. And we just, he asked me what I was writing. And so I shared some of my writings with him. It was some poetry. It was just probably like really hormonal and weird and showed him the books that I had brought and he showed me his that he was carrying as well and let me know that he was going to be paintballing later and asked if I wanted to go and watch and because I told him I bruised super super easily and I didn't really feel like I should be paintballing on the first day because I'm just going to be miserable and all bruised up um, that I would paintball before we go home. So I went down and I watched and um It was really fun to watch him just, I don't know, shooting up everybody. He seemed so cute and proud afterwards. And we talked and we ate dinner together and we just chatted about everything. And I found out that he had a sister that he adored, which really felt good because I really loved my sister who was there with me. And we uh, bonded over that of having a best friend sibling. Um... He talked about his parents and how much he adored them as well and how kind they were and how much they helped him and his sister just do all the things they want to do in life. And he really seemed older. Like, he just seemed so mature and, like, he knew what he wanted in life. His family was a family of dentists, but he wasn't sure if that's the direction he wanted to go in. And we talked about different avenues and interests and it led us to a conversation about his heart specifically told him that he had a good heart that he was so kind and he turned to me and he said this may sound morbid but I don't have a good heart I actually probably shouldn't have even been playing paintball Uh, my heart uh, I actually am on the list for uh, transplant And I was born with a defect in my heart and I only have three chambers. I didn't know how to react to this. I didn't know what to say. And he knew that and said, you don't have to say anything or you can and you can ask me whatever you want. So I thanked him for being open with me and telling me about that. And I asked what he does like to do and what is safe um, as far as activities and what it's looking like for when he will get a transplant. He said with his health and where it was that they had some plans for when he's 17 to get um, a device placed for it to restart his heart if anything were to happen. The way that it worked was his 
blood, the good blood and the bad blood would mix before getting pumped out to his body. He didn't have separate chambers for that blood. So he never had as much oxygen in his blood as most people do. And so his body had to work extra hard to pump that oxygen out to his body. I was amazed. I wanted to be a surgeon. I wanted to be a doctor, go to medical school, which I did do for a little bit, but switched to business. And I really was fascinated medically with what was going on. Like I didn't judge him or see him as fragile or anything like that. And he didn't want to be seen that way. He wanted to be able to do everything that he um, had his eyes on. He loved skateboarding. He loved doing videography uh, with his friends. He liked um, making funny videos and sporty videos. And they were just the coolest group of kids. I did know a lot of his friends uh, before I met him. And I had seen him at the church and at different things, but not as much as his friends. And then it made more sense with the medical things going on of why he wasn't always at all the events we were at. I found out that he goes to the same school as me and we would be um, in the same school the next year. So the way our school worked was it was K through 12 and he was a year behind me. So he was in the middle school uh, the year before and I was in uh, freshman year of high school. And so we would be in the same school, part of the same school the next year since they kept junior high and high school separated and I didn't go there during junior high so we didn't really have any classes or anything like that together beforehand. Well the the camp goes on and we spend so much time together swimming and eating and just reading and writing and just sitting with each other and doing our own activities and it was so nice and my sister was involved too. All of us would go with his friends and um, we kind of made our own new friend group. At the end of camp, he asked me to sit next to him in the bus. And before him, I had had one other boyfriend and that relationship was almost a year long and he had moved away. And so I felt kind of guilty because I still had feelings for this guy that had moved away who was my best friend and I wasn't allowed to speak to him and then this guy uh, was so sweet and kind and wonderful and I was having feelings for him and it was just really confusing but nice at the same time and so we're sitting next to each other in the bus his friends are like behind us my sister's in front of us and he gives me his sweatshirt oh I still have it somewhere um but he gave me a sweatshirt because I got cold and I was wearing it and um we are just looking into each other's eyes and then he just starts like making out with me and uh we got separated they made us sit in different places such bad kids just kidding we weren't the only ones on that bus making out and uh other things (laughs) But I sat across from him and we kept talking. A counselor sat between us and we were just talking over that counselor who understood both of our situations at home and knew us both and got along with us and just thought it was funny that they were kind of being our third wheel on the bus uh, for the long ride home. After that, when we got home, we never stopped talking. It was just a stream of emails and AIM Uh, some handwritten letters in the mail, and also seeing each other in person. I honestly fell in love with this person. He was home. He felt like straight up warm, 
cookies and a glass of milk. It was the most amazing feeling to have that. My home life was not very kind. It was very chaotic, very surrounded by church, and my parents did not get along, both my stepdad and mom, as well as my biological father and mom. We did not, like they, none of them got along at all. I did not have that happy, loving, kind, supportive, caring family. And that goes for both sides of my family in very different ways. And so having, being able to go and see Graham and his family and how they got along and how they loved and cared and honestly, even how they got in trouble was huge. There wasn't yelling. There wasn't getting upset. There was talking and communication and just listening both sides, like communication and respect towards the children and the children towards the parents. And that was so big. In my house, it was taught that you fear your parents and fear equals respect. And it was just so different in that house. And I wasn't used to it. And it felt so foreign, but amazing at the same time. It almost reminds me of that episode in Seventh Heaven where um, they, the girlfriend of the oldest son comes over and she wants to like be adopted by the family because her home life was so chaotic and that she really liked their home life, except for I actually had feelings for the guy. So I started becoming friends with his sister, too. She was very kind, um, and she has gone on to do some amazing, incredible things, and I'll go over that at the end of the story. So one day I was invited over for his sister's birthday party, which this family is wealthy. They, they're not rub-it-in-your-face wealthy, but they are wealthy. Uh, both the parents own a dental practice together and they are really good at what they do and really kind about what they do and their house was absolutely beautiful pool in the backyard they hired a dj for the for the party and it was just like they had a dance floor a dance floor so graham and i danced a bit and then his least favorite song came on the first cut is the deepest. And he's like, okay, we're going to go now. So we went upstairs to his room and we started playing Tetris because that's romantic, you know. And so we're playing Tetris. He plays his favorite song, 99 Red Balloons. And he plays it in German and knew every word, every word perfectly. He was incredible. It, it really... <laughs> I don't know. It was I was in awe and wanted to learn German after that. And actually, I am right now learning German. Be proud of me, Graham. So after listening to every version of 99 Red Balloons that was out at the time, <laughs> I start talking to him about a license plate he had hanging on his wall. It was a Hawaiian license plate. And he's like, you know, it means hello, goodbye, and... I love you. And I knew what he was saying. And I was like, oh, well, aloha. And he said, aloha to you too. And it was the cutest moment. Okay. That is a puppy love moment right there that I will cherish forever and ever and ever. And I'm so glad that I can look back at this time and smile because it was great. 
So we were playing Tetris, and I won some. He won some. We played against some other people, and uh, it was really fun. And finally, I knew like it was the time that my mom was going to be coming to pick me up. So we went out, and he, um, at the top of the stairs, gave me a kiss. And I saw my mom right there. So I get in the car, and uh, immediately I knew I was in trouble. I was then grounded from him. I was grounded from seeing him and I was supposed to go see him for a movie day um, a couple of days later with his friends and um, have a marathon event and I no longer could go and that really hurt because I really didn't do very much outside of the home I didn't go to very many places I had a friend um, that I would go to her house and I really just felt like I finally belonged in a group and that hadn't happened before one-on-one yes but in a group setting I never really felt like a part of something so it was more than just not seeing him it was not seeing everybody and not feeling included as well I get some more emails from him during this time as well as some messages and I get one right before the party so it's right before the friends were gonna arrive and he just said hey I wish you were here this is what's going on and it would be better if you were here we'll try to have fun uh, even though you're not but just promise that I wish you were here and I hope that you're doing okay and then at the very end he says rock on my crazy one I wrote him back and said the same thing that I wish I was there too that it sucks that I'm grounded and that I hope that I get to see him soon and that I can get out of this grounding because it was still summer it's summertime and I'm not gonna be able to see him at school or anything like that until school starts which was gonna be in about a month or two afterwards trying to remember when school actually starts so this was like August 11th I want to say that this happened later that day was a blur um I don't even remember how we were told but I'm assuming a phone call uh from his parents uh Graham had been life lighted to the children's hospital um his heart had stopped beating on a bike ride going to get snacks and they had to be life lighted out to children's hospital in San Diego um this was devastating (laughs) no one knew what was going on but everyone was hopeful everyone was just waiting and hoping that the scans would come back that he was going to wake up and everything was going to be fine and we would be able to laugh and tell him stop riding your freaking bike and actually calm yourself and don't do anything strenuous especially when it's hot and we would be able to just be like you scared us half to death I sat down and did the only thing I knew how to do, and that was right. So I wrote out a letter of exactly how I felt, what was going on, um, how happy I'll be when he wakes up, and how much he meant to me, and I wrote out the story of summer camp and just how I felt and how much I appreciated and admired him and his family and his mom let me come down to the hospital and she said that she didn't want me to see him the way he was because he was so full of like fluids that he was swollen and jaundiced and had tubes everywhere and she just didn't want me to see him like that 
but she would take my letter and she would read it to him and she would let him know how I felt. I talked to his mom later and she let me know that his eyes flickered when I, I read the letter or when she read the letter that I wrote and that she had hope that he heard it and that he was listening and that meant that he was there and that he would be okay. My mom and stepdad were going on a trip uh, with my grandparents and because of the trouble that I had been in for both kissing um, my boyfriend as well as my previous boyfriend and I um, going a little too far, uh, she sent me away. She sent me to a Christian ranch and with the hope that they would reform me. I don't know what anyone was expecting to happen while I was at this ranch because all I could do was be terrified and scared and do everything they asked me to do and listen to everything that they had to say um, while I was just terrified and did not know what was going on back home. Graham's mom was calling me with updates and my mom was calling me with updates. And if you know parts of this story, you know my issues with my mother and her sending me there and her grounding me and her having her purity culture values and all of the trauma that I've endured from her. But I don't want to make this about her. I want to make this about the story of me and Graham. So a few days after I was there, I got a call. And the call said that the scans came back and he's not going to wake up. He wasn't there anymore and they didn't want his body to suffer and they knew the right thing to do was to take him off of life support. 10 days he was on life support and 10 days everyone waited and suffered and talked to him and hoped and prayed and screamed out to whoever would listen that they would do anything for him to just wake up and be okay. 10 days where everyone did what they could, what they had the capacity to do and we all just hoped and never let go of that hope. I begged and begged and begged my mom to let me come home, to let me come home so that I could go to the funeral. No one would let me. I sang 99 Red Balloons more times than I could count. I wrote it down everywhere. I drew, I wrote letters. I just did whatever I could because there was nothing I could do. My best friend was gone. My boyfriend was gone. I lost everything that day and a piece of my heart and my anger towards my mother got worse. My sadness and my depression towards the people at that ranch got worse and I just wanted to be home. I wanted to be somewhere familiar and I didn't want to be talked at anymore about how horrible I am for kissing my boyfriend who's dead. He's dead. How horrible I am for giving my heart away to somebody. You know what? To this day, I am going to be 34 next month and I do not regret for a second giving my heart to that boy. I don't regret for a second the minutes, the hours, the days that we spent together. I don't regret it for a moment. That moment right there taught me how to love taught me how to give of myself and taught me how to accept other people's love and affection 
from his parents to his sister to him to his friends and honestly I'm still friends with some of those friends to this day I still talk to his sister occasionally and I still keep up with them over a thousand people came to his funeral over a thousand people they had to bring in video cameras and footage to other rooms because everyone didn't fit in the room Luckily, it was at a mega church, so they were able to have other venues that people could be in to listen. There were pictures of him and I (laughs) out, and his mom sent me some copies of them and let me know that I was a part of it and let me know how much he talked about me and cared. She was so sweet and understood that this wasn't small, that it wasn't something insignificant, that him and I caring about each other wasn't nothing. I heard others say that this is why kids shouldn't date. This is why people shouldn't let their children date at a young age. Why? Because we might lose that person to something other than a breakup. Teenage love is not nothing. I know so many people who've married their high school sweetheart. I went on to marry that first boyfriend I had before this guy. And it's not insignificant. Our friendships, our connections, our loyalties, our groups, our passions at that age are not nothing. I was told that looking back as an adult that I would feel silly for my feelings in that moment with that person at that time and that I would understand real love and real loss and real grief later. And no, I understood it then. I honestly think I understood it more then than I do now. Without the boxes, without the expectations of adulthood and how we're supposed to act, supposed to feel, supposed to engage with others, and didn't have that on me at that time, I feel like it was more real, more raw, and more honest then. And maybe a part of that has to do with the fact that I endured that grief at a young age. Maybe part of it is that I closed myself off from other things later on because of what happened. But I think the biggest part of it is that I didn't have all of society telling me what I could and couldn't do as an adult at that time. And I could just love without those borders. It wasn't fake. It wasn't a show. It wasn't anything but exactly what it was in that moment. I never got to go to that funeral. I was stuck in Idaho at a ranch. And when I came home, his mom invited me over and his room was exactly how it was left. And I went for his birthday. So it was December. He died August 21st. And in December for his birthday, we had a party and I went to his house and we sat in his room and told stories and smelled his cologne. We can call it cologne, right? Even though it was just like Axe body spray. I believe the Phoenix one, but (laughs) I wore that sweater that he gave me and I sprayed it with that cologne and it smelled like him for a long time. I wouldn't wash it. It was gross and wonderful at the same time. His mom kept his ashes in his room. I believe they're still there and I believe his room is still as it was and it's hard. 
his mom's grief was hard and people would say that it wasn't healthy, that she was holding on to everything as if he was going to walk in the door. But you know what? That's how she grieved and that is how she was handling things. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with it. The only issue I had was that I didn't have a place to go to grieve. There was no gravestone. There was no place to like sit and feel like you're talking to someone. There was his room, which felt intrusive to go to. His ashes were there in a box in his room. And I said everything to those ashes that I possibly could think of in that moment. It was both healing, but at the same time lonely. And it felt less real. Seeing him in a box, a small box, when he was so larger than life so beautiful, so kind, and so boisterous. Like, he always had something to say, a joke, a story, but he also made you feel heard and would listen. So I just tried to hold on to that aspect of him, of the listening, that he's just listening to me right now. It was so hard to leave that room that night because I didn't know when I would be back or if I would be back or if they would let us back. It was so hard, and I could tell it was hard for his mom to let us into that space as well, moving things, changing things, and sitting on his bed, and just remembering us being in there before with him sitting with us. I looked up. I saw that same license plate on his wall, and I smiled and cried at the same time, and just said in a whispered tone, Aloha, Graham. Aloha. The school year went on and I had another friend whose sister died and we really got to know each other and kind of just clung on to each other's grief and that each other knew how we were feeling, that we had someone important to us pass and that we weren't alone in that and we didn't feel silly for grieving with each other. I heard the rumors, I heard the things people said. I heard them all, and it didn't feel good. It didn't feel good then. It doesn't feel good looking back at them about how silly and young I was for having such big feelings and that I was just a weird goth girl. I ended up leaving that school later, which is a whole other story in and of itself, but I never lost my love for that kid. I think about him all the time. When I was 19, 20, I got a tattoo for him. I got a balloon with his initials in it on my wrist. And if you've seen it in my videos on TikTok, that's what it is. That is the balloon. The, I think of you and let it go. And I have a little routine on August 21st. I write a note for him in or on a balloon. And I go out to somewhere and I listen to that song and I sing it and I used to let the balloon go but now I know things and I do not do that anymore but I simulate letting it go at the end of the song Um, and I make little videos for him like he did I make a video of me almost like a music video and now I've been posting them on TikTok and people yell at me and be like don't let the balloon go I didn't I had a really long string and I simulate letting it go and I'm still holding on to the string. So do not worry about that. The turtles are safe in Minnesota. 
but him loving videography and one of the things he wanted to do is be a videographer and do music videos and things like that and I think it's a really fun tribute every year to him and it's something that I can hold on to just one day a year that I feel extra close and the end of my note always says your crazy one is rocking on now let's get into his amazing sister she went on to become a dentist herself and she works for their dental uh, clinic but she also goes down to other countries and volunteers to help other people and make their mouths better bring smiles back to their lives and help them be healthier because we all know that oral hygiene is a gateway to the rest of our health especially our heart health but she has such a big heart and loves to help and she volunteers that time and her resources and she just she's amazing and I look up to her so much and honestly I would be absolutely amazed if she was ever on this podcast and wanted to tell her story tell tell it all from her side of things her parents are still at their dental office and one day I was eating a salad while I was pregnant with my uh, second oldest. He's 14 now. And my tooth broke because when you're pregnant, things happen and your teeth get weird. So my tooth broke and I had never even had a filling, like, a, sorry, I'd never had a cavity before. So I went in and I was like, I'm not going to see anyone else. I want to see them. So I went in and I saw them and his mom cried. I cried. She showed me their office and that all of his stuff is in there, that she made like a little memorial for him, had pictures, and um, I was actually wearing his sweatshirt uh, that day. And she was just, she hugged me, and she was so loving, and she comped everything. I was not expecting that. I wasn't expecting her to um, do it for free and fix my tooth, and it's still there. It's still it's still rocking on, Kim. Uh, <laughs> my tooth is working perfectly fine. Uh, but she she fixed my tooth and made it look like a normal tooth and she was just amazing and I just love them so much their whole family just has the biggest hearts and I want to tell you Kim I did not go to you so that you would do it for free I did it because I wanted to see you but yeah they're still holding on and I know their grief is not linear either it's all over the place it's a wibbly wobbly line of craziness that goes up and down and some days it just hits you like a ton of bricks and you feel guilty for living and going on and having good mo- memories and moments without that person and then other days when you feel bad you're like ah oh, I feel bad for feeling bad because that person would want me to go on and have fun and have these memories and these feelings and so it's just this guilt that keeps on giving And I just, um, I understand, I don't understand from a mom's perspective because I have never lost a child, but I understand grief and I understand that it is always there with you, but they have made the best of their lives and they have moved so many mountains. And I know that he is so proud of each and every one of you. And even if they never hear this, it's true. I love you all and you have touched me so much even just watching you from afar when I moved out of the state and I see you I see what you do and I see how you're living and I am proud of every one of you now I know this story started at a camp and 
that camp will always live in my heart. And as much as I look back and I don't agree with all the religious aspects of all of it, that community that I gained, that camp, that weekend, I will always cherish in my heart. Even if it was short-lived, I will always cherish it. This episode is coming out on the anniversary of his passing. And I just want you to hold your loved ones a little closer. Treat them kindly. Give them grace. Give them respect. And just love on them a little extra today. Because you never know when the last day is going to be with them. And I'm so glad my last day that I was with him was so full of love and kindness. All right, this is Tyler Holmes coming to you from the crow's nest. Crow out.